Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus on Wednesday the 4th of August. Today I want to have a look at what the Reserve Bank did yesterday. It announced another tightening of its rules for loan-to-value ratios for loans. Essentially it's saying that from October the 1st it wants only 10% of the mortgage loans done every month to be at high LVRs, i.e. borrowing more than 80% of the uh, value of a home. This applies to owner-occupiers, so that means people who already live in homes and are buying their next home, or those people who are buying their first home. This doesn't apply to landlords. That's because they already have a restriction, which means that their high LVR threshold is 60%, i.e. they can't borrow more than 60%, and their speed limit, you know, how much is done just above that, is only 5%, and that was set on May the 1st. Interesting, though, that it hasn't been changed. Um, The main restriction is for owner-occupiers. Now, why is this interesting? Well, in theory, it's going to take some of the steam out of the market, and we found out uh, late yesterday from CoreLogic there's plenty of steam still left in there. House values rose 1.8% in July. Now that's unchanged from the 1.8% in June. And if you annualise that rate, kept going at that rate for the next uh, 10 months or so, you'd have uh, a house price inflation rate of still over 20%. So it's clear that the March 23 announcements about uh, removing interest as a tax deductible expense for landlords the increase in the Brightline test to 10 years and the suggestions of higher mortgage rates from the Reserve Bank haven't done much to cool the demand for housing in New Zealand. And uh, you can see why the Reserve Bank has decided, decided that it has to take more action. Its concern, as the central bank, is to make sure that banks are safe. So it wants to reduce the riskiness of the amount of lending that banks do. And a risky loan is to someone who is stressed in terms of having enough income to pay the mortgage when interest rates go up, and also someone who doesn't have much equity in the property. So if there does happen to be a fall in house prices, their equity buffer is much smaller than uh, for someone who's been in a home for a long time. So what it means is that by its very nature, Any restrictions on the riskiness of lending will affect those who are the most stretched with the least equity when they get their home loan. And that means first home buyers. Now, you may have heard the uh, um, Finance Minister Grant Robertson say that he would only allow the Reserve Bank to do this if they made uh, did as much as they could to avoid hurting first home buyers. And you can understand why. Uh, This is a political hot-button issue. For all sorts of reasons, uh, essentially the middle class, the median voter, uh, has a dream, and the dream is home ownership, and they have dreams for their kids. And of course, if their kids can't get home ownership, that's problematic. Sometimes it's the the dreams that are more powerful than the reality. Uh, However, um, the reality of this situation is that any more restrictions on lending by the Reserve Bank will hit first home buyers hardest. To illustrate this, you only have to look at uh, who did the 
the uh, amount of high LVR lending in the last three months, sorry, the last four months since the uh, arrival of uh, the the rearrival of the first home uh, buyers um, uh, to demonstrate this, you only need to look at how much of the high LVR lending has been going to first home buyers in the last four months since the reimposition of LVRs. So, uh, 77% of the high LVR lending over the last four months has gone to first home buyers. So any direction from the Reserve Bank to essentially halve the amount of that high LVR lending is going to hit first home buyers hardest. And not just in proportion to that 77%, because over a third of the high LVR lending to first home buyers is also done at debt-to-income multiples of over four which in other countries is seen as the riskiest. So not only do first home buyers have the least equity, they of course have the least amount of income to deal with higher interest rates when they come. And uh, when you look at uh, the combination of what the Reserve Bank said yesterday, that it's going to halve the allowance for high LVR lending effectively, and that it's looking at bringing in a debt to income multiple uh, limit. Now, this is quite controversial because obviously first home buyers, again, are the ones who are most affected by this. And when you look at um, uh, the numbers again on uh, who is doing the high DTI lending, it is mostly first home buyers. And uh, it's quite interesting when you do have a look at uh, who's doing the high, LV high LVR and high DTI lending with the highest DTIs and the highest LVRs. It is those people on household disposable incomes of about 120k plus. The other thing the Reserve Bank said, which didn't get a lot of attention and I think is important, is that it said it's looking to bring in interest rate flaws for serviceability tests. And you may ask, what on earth are they talking about? Well, for those people who have applied for a mortgage recently, you'll know that um, the bank or the mortgage broker will take a good close look at how much you're spending every month, look at what you're disposable income is, so i.e. after tax and KiwiSaver and the likes, and work out how much spare income you have to pay for the mortgage. So after you've paid for the car and the power bills and the food and the transport and various other things, how much have you got left over to pay the mortgage each month? And not just at the interest rate you're paying, let's say it's 2% or 1.9% or whatever it is right now, the bank assumes you have to be able to have enough disposable income to pay once the mortgage rate goes up to a rate floor, so to speak, a serviceability threshold. And at the moment, most banks are using a serviceability threshold internally of 6 to 6.5%. So the Reserve Bank is looking at effectively bringing that informal serviceability uh, threshold or rate interest rate floor uh, into the law, if you like, or into its uh, practice for macro prudential regulation. Currently, it's an internal thing the banks use to make sure that they're not lending to people who can't afford the loan when interest rates go up. But the Reserve Bank is saying we'll bring this in uh, harder. This essentially takes it out of the hands of the banks and means that if the Reserve Bank wants to tighten again using this particular rule, then it can tell the banks no longer do you use 6% or 6.5%, you have to use 7%. And again, this always will hit those who are the 
uh, have the the least headroom, if you like, um, on an income and an equity sense. So, uh, what does this all mean? What's going on here? Well, we obviously have a housing affordability problem. And the government's strategy, if it has one, uh, if you d- discern what they want to do from the answers to their questions, because they have never actually set out how they want to get to affordability and what that actually is, they have said that a sustainable level of house price inflation is around about 4% per year. Now, we currently have a house price to income multiple of over 10 around the country. Most people overseas and locally believe that the long-run sustainable level of house price to income affordability is somewhere between 3 and 5 times income, depending on which long-term interest rate you assume. And uh, to get down from 10 to 5 using this existing strategy of allowing house price inflation of around about 4% per year, remembering that people's incomes are arising around about 4 to 5% per year, it's going to take 100 years to get to an affordable level when you take that strategy. And the key to that strategy is do not let house prices fall because politically, That is very difficult for the government, even though house prices have just risen 30%. And if they were to fall 30% tomorrow, they'd be going back to where they were a year ago. But politically, that is too difficult, not just for the government, but for the opposition. So the opposition isn't going to call bullshit on the government's policy. And uh, when you look at what the finance minister has said, i.e. I don't want this to hurt first home buyers, and you look how the policy will actually work, i.e. it will hurt first home buyers, you essentially have the biggest piece of virtue signalling on the housing market and housing affordability we've seen in quite some time. Now, the guts of this problem is that when you have very wide inequality, and and not just a little bit unequal, but very unequal, and you've had an, an inequality shock where a certain group of people have suddenly become much, much wealthier. And in New Zealand, that's those people who own assets, i.e. houses and shares, and they've become $400 billion richer in the last year since COVID, since the Reserve Bank started printing $60 billion New Zealand dollars to lower long-term interest rates, cut interest rates, and removed briefly the restrictions on high LVR lending. When you have that bigger shock... Uh, to return to equality, to return, return to the level of inequality we had, let's say, before COVID, requires not just waiting for incomes to catch up and suppressing house price inflation. You actually have to have deflation in house prices. And that's the basic problem. The government is pretending and the Reserve Bank is suggesting that it can solve this problem by restraining credit growth. But in the process, it's actually further deepening and embedding the inequality that's there in the market. Remember, those people who own property and have owned property for the longest have the most equity. They tend to be older. They tend to have more established jobs. They tend to have a lot more disposable income because they've finished paying off their student loans. And of course, they've had the benefit over the last decade of increasingly lower interest rates on the mortgages that they do have. So what this policy is doing is pretending to solve a problem of housing affordability, but in effect, worsening it. So, um, 
What does this all mean? Well, uh, you might see a slight drop off in uh, um, house price inflation because some of the first home buyers are taken out of the market and therefore reduce the demand somewhat. Um, again, because of the restrictions on first home buyers being the greatest, you're likely to see an increase in the share of buying by investors who, remember, have the most disposable income and the highest level of equity to fall back on and banks prefer them because, again, they've got the most disposable income and the highest equity and, of course, also have the established relationships and record of paying their bills on time to the bank. So what do we watch out for in the next few months? Well, October 1 is when the rules kick in. The Reserve Bank will have a um, period of consultation with the banks and everyone else. And the government uh, will be allowed to get away with this virtual signalling because the opposition is in exactly the same position. It does not want to say the obvious, which is that the only way you get back to affordability is to see a big drop in house prices. In fact, the opposition has a slightly um, more uh, entertaining view on this, that it can actually um, have a solution where median house prices don't change, i.e. the prices of houses in the suburbs don't change, but you see new house price, new apartment and townhouse prices drop or stay low, which helps solve your affordability problem. That's also fraudulent, in my view, because it um, doesn't acknowledge the scale of the house price appreciation and where we are in terms of house price to income multiples now compared to where we need to be if we're serious about getting to affordability. Again, we haven't really talked about rents here, but the same problem applies uh, just for the lag. So um, what's going on here? We're going to see more and more of this. Of course, as house prices continue to rise, given the current rate of house price inflation, there's another 10 to 20 percent at least in the next year or so. And of course, this process continues when interest rates remain low. Now, in theory, the Reserve Bank will start increasing interest rates next month, and it all depends on the inflation outlook as to how much it increases interest rates. And that will be the main uh, driver keeping a cap on house prices. But again, given what we know about how the government and the Reserve Bank reacted during COVID and also during the, great, the global financial crisis in 2008-2009, they have twice moved massively to effectively guarantee that house prices won't fall much or at all to protect not just the banking system but the economy and to use that wealth effect to do their work on monetary policy. And because of the political balance where uh, politicians of the centre-left and centre-right know they have to win over the median voter to get elected uh, or to stay in power. And those median voters are mostly homeowners. They vote at much higher rates than renters and the older vote at much higher rates than the youngest. At the moment, that balance of political power is in favour of homeowners. And the unfortunate thing is that um, they are able to um, pretend to themselves and their kids that uh, they are doing something. Look, the Reserve Bank is tightening credit into this market. Look, the government is increasing uh, housing supply into this market. Uh, look, we've just seen this change in tax deductibility rules for interest. But as we've seen, all of those things have been announced and done over the last eight years and house prices have doubled over that time and could conceivably double again. In fact, that's what people who are buying houses are expecting expectations of house price inflation are that they double every, every 11 years now and any reassurances from the government or the Reserve Bank that house prices might fall, as we saw again yesterday from the Reserve Bank Governor, 
are essentially swatted aside when they say, that's a TUI billboard, house prices might fall. We've seen what you've done. We know that you've guaranteed this market, that it's a too big to fail market and it's a too big to fall market. And so understandably, there's an enormous amount of fear of missing out going on. As we saw yesterday in a fresh survey from Tony Alexander, he surveys uh, mortgage brokers and real estate agents who say they've seen in recent months an increase in the number of people who are in, who are in that fear of missing out stage and also a return to the market of the investors and those first home buyers who can afford to get back in. So what do you do if you're a first home buyer here and you have bid a dozen times for houses and missed out to investors or simply um, are struggling to get through the bank? Well, um, the brutal truth of it, again, this is not financial advice, every situation is different, is that by October 1, the new rules will kick in and it will be harder to get a loan. However, the Reserve Bank has told the banks that it expects them from today to observe the um, spirit of the law rather than the black letter of the law. So that means it's going to be harder from today to get that loan. And if you have a chance of getting in, get in as fast as you can. No wonder there is a fear of missing out. Um, panic before prices rise again problem. Remember, um, given what we know about how the Reserve Bank and the government operate, how both parties in Parliament operate and what we're expecting for interest rates and inflation for the next couple of decades, there is no reason why house prices won't double again in the next 11 years. Right, what else is happening in the world in the last uh, day or so? Well, um, we got news from the Reserve Bank of Australia. It surprised a few people by not loosening monetary policy in the wake of the Delta outbreaks in Australia. There were a bunch of economists and the markets who were expecting the Reserve Bank to reverse its previously indicated tapering, i.e. reduction of money printing, from $5 billion to $4 billion a week. Well, they've kept on with that and argued that um, these Delta outbreaks won't last long and that the economy will bounce back fast, as it did um, after the previous outbreaks last year. We'll see. Uh, obviously, Delta is um, tearing holes through the entire COVID strategy globally. And you're seeing a slowing of growth in America. And that's something to keep an eye on. Um, also in the news um, today, we obviously had the CoreLogic figures showing significant house price inflation in July again after another 1.8% versus 1.8% in June. Annual inflation running, uh, going backwards at a rate of 25%. Uh, another 31% rise in house prices in Christchurch. 40% rise in house prices in Whanganui. A quick call out to Anthony Tonnen um, there. Well done. The sad thing is, Anthony, you may have made a lot more money from your house than from your work in the last year, just like everyone else in New Zealand. Okay, what else have we got? Oh, the borders um, obviously are closed in Australia, and the question is how long for... Well, the government there is saying they won't really open up until we get to 80% vaccination rates. There are some uh, hopeful views that they could get there by the end of the year, but the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Treasury are saying they're not expecting the border to open in Australia until mid-2022 at the earliest. And that, I think, is where the best-case scenario for a reopening of the bubble with Australia is. 
Watch out today for some fresh labour force figures for New Zealand, the June quarter uh, jobs and wages figures. Key thing to watch really is um, the unemployment rate, which is expected to go down to 4.4%. Well, that's good news. And continued employment growth, again, good news. The question is, what's going to happen to wages? There's a lot of fear, of course, about a wage inflation breakout, which would force the Reserve Bank to push up interest rates much more quickly. But currently, the economists are forecasting annual wage inflation of, wait for it, tight under the couch, 2.0%. That's not a wage inflation figure that should frighten everyone. If it's significantly higher than 2%, yes, then you can um, look for the underside of the couch. But um, in my view, that's not wage inflation that is going to scare the horses or should scare the horses, and it wouldn't scare the horses in uh, Australia, in the US or Europe or Britain, where they are all still uh, on hold with their interest rates. Just finally, you might ask the question, hey Bernard, um, you seem very keen on continued loose monetary policy and that we don't have an inflation problem. But at the same time, you're saying the Reserve Bank shouldn't tighten credit criteria um, to try and control this housing market. Otherwise, it's just going to race off again. And surely you don't want house prices to rise much, much higher and further. And you're exactly right. But um, the guts of this problem is not really an interest rate problem or a credit problem. The guts of this problem in New Zealand is a supply problem and a tax advantage problem. Both of those issues are in the hands of the government. They are long-term issues, and to successfully achieve change, you need a bipartisan agreement to essentially flood the housing market with housing supply to drive down prices in the long run and to reset expectations of house price inflation and to change the underlying driver of all of this which is that a house is not a place to live. It's a place to invest your money, which is tax advantaged and can take advantage of leverage to give you outsized returns. Until both parties decide to do that, to essentially say to median voters, we're going to take some of this unearned equity off you, nothing changes. And uh, on that cheery note, I will leave you for today's Dawn Chorus. I am Bernard Hickey for the Kaka on Wednesday the 4th of August. Of course, I hope to be proved wrong that a whole bunch of median voters say, ah, I get it, and they vote for uh, political pol policies that um, will change the situation. But at the moment, the only parties that are looking to do this in an aggressive way are the Greens and the top party. The Greens have no leverage because they will always vote for Labour, therefore their policies can be ignored. And the top party in the last polls was around 1% to 2%. Until it gets close to 5%, it will struggle to get anywhere near that threshold because of the risk of the wasted vote. So at the moment, the political landscape says nothing changes. House prices continue to double every 11 years. Inequality deepens and the Reserve Bank and the government can uh, safely stand on a chair and say they're doing their best. And it pays for most people who vote and who own property, to believe that. Some of them will actually believe it. Others will think it's convenient that everyone believes it, even though they don't themselves. And you thought I was going to end on a cheery note. <laughs> oh, that's a slightly long uh, dawn chorus. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. I am Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. And if you get here this somewhere else, please subscribe to the 
email newsletter. Just a quick note, and I'll be doing this until the end of September. Um, we are in the final few weeks of a free um, uh, Dawn Chorus uh, email newsletter from the Kaka. From September 20, I plan to start charging for it. Uh, there will be one free email a week for the free list, um, but the daily Dawn Choruses um, will be uh, um, paid for and behind a, a paywall and be sent out to people's email addresses for those who have paid. And I look forward to that. The reason I haven't started that yet is because I am restrained from an agreement from my previous employer from doing it. Thank you very much. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the car car.